Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the All Out Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to this weekend's AEW All Out Pay Per View. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, oh, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions. A round of the week complete with a very good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to look ahead to all out this weekend. Michael Hamler enjoying some time off, but he will be back on Sunday with Andy Murray doing our live stream reactions to all out, which you can check out on our YouTube channel in the well late hours of Sunday night, early hours of Monday morning. But uh, yes. 14 matches on this card, Sige. Uh, three on the, I was going to say buy-in, not called that anymore, is it? Zero hour. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's really taken shape in recent weeks, hasn't it? Yes, absolutely. I'm hyped for the show. I think a lot of the build has been tremendous, um, at least with, like, the featured matches. Some of the stuff on the undercard hasn't been built particularly well. So I would describe this as a sort of AEW quarterly pay-per-view X NXT TakeOver, where I'm emotionally invested in some of it, and the stuff I'm not particularly emotionally invested in, the match quality should shine on the night. Um, I think a lot of people are apprehensive about the amount of matches on this show, and Forbidden Door doesn't count, because there's a little bit, uh, there were fewer matches than normal, and as a result, that show just was sequenced tremendously, and the yeah. crowd never, ever stopped. Um... But, you know, people forget that there's no downtime. There is no downtime. There are no video packages. It's just, right, finish, entrance theme, finish, entrance theme. And, um, yeah, if they sequence this right, I don't think there'll be a lull. But, you know, they went from All Out 21, Full Gear 21, Revolution 21, three of the best pay-per-views you'll ever see, three all-time classics, Double or Nothing, which was as long as this, wasn't quite like that. And there was a lull mid-show. Maybe that will happen, um, but we're going to talk about how to avoid that with the way in which the matches are ordered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, no pressure following last year's All Out. Is oh, there God, I know. The best AEW pay-per-view ever? Yes, they've had better matches top to bottom, but it was just so momentous and yeah, so special. Unforgettable. Uh, right, let's start off on Zero Hour, then three matches on here, two title matches and just... An Andy Murray dream match. Tomohiro Ishii versus Eddie Kingston. Yes, please. Yeah, absolutely. They had a great match. I can't remember the name of the show itself. It was a New Japan Strong um, production. Great to watch Ishii um, in front of, like, a non-clap crowd. Oh, yeah. Um, 
this I expect to go 10 minutes, if that. A badass, horse, strong style sprint, full of sort of like crumpled selling, fire up spots. We know what these two can do. Um, they had a great one where like Ishii's got this amazing gift to work the same match every single time and yet tweak it. Mm. Um, there was a great tweak in the match um, on that New Japan show wherein he took, this is Ishii, a German suplex right on the neck and instead of just defiantly roaring up because no selling is great because you can delay the selling <laughs> because adrenaline is a real thing, not only did he just do that, but he just sprinted. He was just so fired up, like, I'm going to bite through this pain, eat it, and sprint into a German of my own. So I expect them to do another little sort of tweak on these no-sell spots. This should be great. It does not need to go anything longer than 12. And Kingston will get his win, yeah. win back because Ishii won that one. And yeah, it's a bit 50-50, but with the talent involved, who cares? Um... Let's talk Pat Kip Sabian. Um, obviously, we, we talked about it on the Dynamite review about uh, <laughs> we thought a split, for a split second Kip Sabian was doing a Geordie accent. Uh, but no, Pat acknowledges what, what Kip Sabian has done to get himself in this position. But I sense the All-Atlantic title may not be going anywhere. No, I don't think so. I think, um, look, for all the Ferrari about the All-Atlantic title, and I was annoyed with it. They did not need another title. I think if we recall... Tony Schiavone said, we've got a new title to announce, right? Boom, trios, here we go. Yeah. It's the All-Atlantic. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> because it didn't need a tertiary men's title. That is something that a booker does when he's got too many talents and he lessens the importance of an accomplishment by just adding new titles to give someone to do. And it's the illusion of prestige as opposed to actual prestige. But, you know, it's barely featured on AEW like proper TV canon programming. It's something to do while Pac splits his time um, across the pond. It's been fine. I expect this match to be very good, not great, but it'll benefit from a sort of up for it, fresh crowd. I'm looking for something from Kip Sabian. I understand why Tony Khan has shown faith in him because Tony Khan um, has kind of botched Kip Sabian. If there's a star to botch, which is possibly going to be answered. Is mm. he that great? Um, I like his character work. Handsome guy. He doesn't work a style that others can't do better. That's always been the rap on Kip Sabian. But, you know, he was in there, as Joel Lanza pointed out in Voices of Wrestling, he showed up to the pandemic shows in Atlanta. He was there for the early Daily Place one, Daily's Place, and his run's been cursed um, because he had that match with Hangman Page that thought, that people thought Hangman Page has been ruined by going 20 minutes with Sabian. Instant stigma there. He was associated with an act that can't ever be recalled on AEW pro programming, and for good reason, in a tag team. So he's kind of, a lot of his history in AEW has been erased, understandably so. And following that, he was the guy who, after ruining Hangman Page, almost ruined Miro. So I feel like it's a bit of a make good, this run. Mm. Um, so I hope, for Kip Sabian's sake, that he can, as the Americans call it, show out. <laughs> and have a very good match with Pac that um, is, doubles as something of an eye-opener. Um, I expect Pac to win, and he should. Indeed. Uh, now, you know me. I'm a naive optimist, but even I look at Angelo Parker. Cool and Ange going up against Hook and go, you've got no chance, mate. <laughs> it's just a funny guy for Hook to destroy. The selling should be, like, borderline slapstick comical, and that's good for the tone of the show to make it a little bit different. It's not going to go long. 
and you've got a fantasy booking spot, that should yeah. be superb. It's yeah. Normally, it's down to you because you know far better how to lay these things out. But yeah, start. I am match. a wrestler. Yeah, start start this match. I'd have Cool and Ange walk over to Hook. Obviously, back to him resting on the turnbuckle. Flick, <laughs> flick, hair, comb or whatever you call it, and offer it to Hook because state that barnet. Yeah, yeah, sort yeah. it out. Snaps it in half and murders Angelo Parker in thirty seconds. And then if I'm going forward. I'd have Daddy Magic face him and the lose, maybe even in quicker time. Both of them go, right, okay, both of us, because that's the match that you and I booked, uh, which I think would be of most interest. Uh, Just a nice thing to do with 2.0, given that Daddy Magic is suffering from a really bad shoulder injury and brawling through it in these post-match angles. Uh, Yeah, this should be fun enough. And, you know, the the, the comb hair stuff books itself. This is just a little bit of... Wholesome, irreverent, AEW fun, and it will absolutely not outstay its welcome at no. all. Uh, on to the main card, then. 11 matches on this main card. What do you think should open the show? I would be gutted if they didn't open with the tag team title match between Swerve and Our Glory and the Acclaimed. Um, purely because I think if there's any match that the fans will take as a cue to go right, bit tired now. I don't care about this. There's not a big emotional crux in this story. Um, the acclaimed are a fun TV act, but they're not really, they're not quite, and then the bell rang, but they're nowhere near um, the top tier of that AEW tag team division. And I think that's been pronounced when the what you could have won element to this show is that a lot of people just, Young Bucks versus FTR3 for all the belts made so much goddamn sense that fans just fantasy booked it. Even yes. though it, if it was the plan, it got changed. So that will hang heavy in the titty of Swerve and <laughs> Our Glory versus the Acclaimed. So I think unfairly that match is going to be considered um, the inferior alternate timeline world tag team title match. I think that'll be a cue for fans to just go, I don't really care about this. And I'm a bit gutted that I didn't get FTR in a proper match. Um, so the best chance this match has of getting over, and you want everything on the show to get over, is for this to start in front of a raucous crowd who are nowhere near tired. Max Castro will pop him with a rap. Yeah. I really don't think this needs to go longer than literally 12 minutes since I've stayed its welcome. Um Max Caster is one of the weaker in-ring workers on the entire show. I hope they don't try and overcorrect by making this any longer than it needs to be. Fun, competitive, over-delivery, helped enormously by a fresh crowd. Swevenar Glory will win. But, you know, they'll do a nice hope spot. And, look, Bones is a great, great, great underrated wrestler. He can carry the bulk of the load. As long as this goes first, it's got a real chance of an over-delivery, but... The longer in the card, and then this pops up, I really don't think people will care. Yeah, I really like the idea of, oh, big pyro, welcome to... to, to it's trying to know. It's trying to know. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, yo, listen. Yeah, it's the best place for it, because like you say, I do I do have the slight concern that if they do a, yo, listen, about an hour into the show, people will go, listen to me, go to the yeah, you know, stands and uh, stalls back there. That's uh, some Goose Island. Ooh. Because that's brewed in yeah. Chicago. Nice drop. I was about to say wicked pissing. That's Boston. That's Boston, you dumb asshole. Uh, Danielson Jericho. Yes, please. Yes, please. There is the potential for this to get overbooked uh, with the inclusion of Daniel Garcia. There is a potential for a bit of melodrama, which I don't necessarily think that the... I'm a massive fan of Danielson, and I can take a lot of melodrama in um, the Elite Saga, but I think that... 
the people who love Danielson mostly really don't want melodrama in a Danielson sort of spectacle. And I know he was, you know, the leader of the Yes Movement and all of this, but the, the American Dragon's very different. So I do wonder that folding in the Garcia element, even though it's a great story, is particularly right for Danielson fans. Uh, but whatever, Danielson's got loads of fans, so maybe I'm talking absolute rubbish. This match should be absolutely spectacular. Um, Danielson's very, very smart. As we literally just saw on um, Dynamite on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, he's so immaculate at working to his opponent's strengths or getting younger, less experienced people over. Um, and Jericho, quietly, has way more strengths than anyone ever gives him credit for because he's always very popular to bury because he's not very fashionable, but he's so good that he always just creeps back into fashion. I love every a year. Now and then. Yeah, he's had a great year. It will continue. Danielson has to win this yes. because Jericho has just had his big TV world title moment, what, two years after? Um, he was really in that mix. Um, so Danielson's the one who can challenge, well, you'll find out who he's probably going to challenge when we preview the title match later on. So Danielson wins, Garcia will have something to do with it. I'm very interested in how this goes. Um, the larvae element should be explored with the Lionheart character because that's who Danielson's facing. I really like the idea of this... Um, being staunchly and stubbornly wrestled as a wrestling match before it becomes apparent that Danielson's just more skilled as a pro wrestler. And then the temptation, even though Chris Jericho was promised, no, no, no on Sunday night in the ring, a proper wrestling match, like Jericho is going to be the heel dickhead, have a really good wrestling match. And then the more he gets outclassed in the wrestling, he's going to start doing more sports entertainment stuff. And that it'll feel like all the heat will get earned more that way because it's like, are oh, you prick? You've really promised to do something here, but Carney, dickhead, Chris Jericho, you've been outclassed. It's going to start taking like the turnbuckle part off and it's going to start to like slowly morph into a sports entertainment match. Like I think this could be absolutely incredible if they tell that really subtle yeah, story. I think you're right. And maybe even it's a nice callback to many, many moons ago, Maybe at one point the referee's distracted because he's taken the turnbuckle pad off. And so he's not watching the match. And uh, Jericho stuck his head under the ring or under the apron or whatever it may be. And Danielson pulls him out of there and turns, Jericho turns around, <laughs> mist in his face with a little bit of the bubble. I would love that. I would love that. They should also do the spot from there. Remember Daniel Bryan's NXT debut against Jericho? where Jericho reversed the suicide dive and just put him, like, liver first, kidney first, into the table, and massive bruise appeared. <laughs> Call that back. It was gnarly and awesome. Yeah, that's what I'd like to see. But, yeah, obviously Danielson wins that one. Uh, the first of two women's matches on two. this card. Next uh, to preview. Um, it's been a bit uh, cursed, the uh, women's title recently. Obviously, Thunder Rosa, unfortunately, having to vacate it due to injury. Therefore... We have a title match, actually not for the world title, I realise as I say that, for the interim women's world title. Tony Storm, Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Hikaru Shida, who leaves as the interim women's world title uh, champion for usage. Right, there's a difference between the wrestling online Twitter fandom and everyone in the building and the TV ratings, right? Britt Baker's the biggest star. The temptation might be to run back Baker versus Thunder Rosa for both the belts, given that there's a lot of intrigue. People absolutely buy it as a conflict. And, you know, this division 
pulls in terrible numbers frequently, craters the show almost every single week, irrespective of whether they're in that death slot or in the first hour. If you're Tony Khan and you're a businessman, you're probably thinking, right, okay, I, I might need to just sellotape this. I might need to tape this titty up and uh, just go with what is going to pull in some numbers, particularly with um, the TV rights negotiations imminent. You could even s- sell it as a bathroom brawl. Bathroom brawl. I'd bloody love that. That'd be great. <laughs> However, and I know there's a difference between the, the fans in the building and the fans on Twitter, but the fans on Twitter almost unanimously want Jamie Hayter to win this because yep. she's so great. I read this all the time. And again, it's a bubble. Um, so you just never know. But I'd be certainly tempted to do um, Hayter getting the switch here. Because then he could finally really ramp up the conflict between Hater and Baker, where Baker's like a little bit pissed off that she hasn't got it. But you know, for appearances, and you know, I'm behind you with Thunder Rosa, who we both hate. So I'm obviously going to support you, but then how obvious is the support going to be? They could tease dissension and all the rest of it. So I would have Hater win um, for that reason, because you get the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. You make a popular switch because Jamie Hater is really cult popular, and you can have Baker in pretty much all the segments that the women's champions featured in. Um, I think the match quality should be really good. Um, People don't like three ways and four ways, particularly for title matches, because it feels like it's hard to build organic storylines around multi-person matches, and the idea that it's different here with an interim, but the idea that a champion doesn't have to be pinned makes no sense um, in the sporting context, but whatever. It's different with it being interim, and four people in a match... It's not as good as a classic one-on-one match, but if you need to work around certain workers' limitations, a four-way is a great way to go, and I think that benefits um, this women's title picture enormously. I think it should be all action. Again, 12 minutes. Don't spend too long dicking around on the outside, but that's how these matches go. Um, I do like the idea of Baker talking trash into the camera at ringside like she's wont to do and realize at the last second, oh, hang on, there's a pin attempt going on there doing this and then running and break it up. That was going to be one of my pitches, actually. Not necessarily the finish, but um, uh, someone's been taken out. Let's say it's Tony Storm's been taken out and she's confident that uh, the haters hitting some move uh, on Sheeda and she goes over to Rebel and does the whole, it's glove time. And in the midst of that, she's like, wait a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's a really good spot. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know who wins this. It's not Sheeda. <laughs> It's not cheating. The only one I know. Yeah. I my heart says hater. My head actually says Tony Storm because I think that's what they were gonna do. That wasn't was it, apparently to, originally the plan. Um, and you can do. Uh, I would have beat you, Tony, if you hadn't been for bloody Jamie Hater going forward. And then you've still got yeah, the the thunderstorm rematch uh, down the line. But yeah, the only thing I'm confident on is it's not going to be Kara Shida, not no. just because she uh, got the pinfall on Dynamite, but because we haven't seen her for about six months, it feels like. Yep. But I could be sold on any of the other three. I'd she like lost the be. program to Deeb as well, didn't she? Yeah. So where's Deeb? I got nothing. Uh, right, next up it is the, I'm going to say it properly because we like them, House of Black versus... Darby Allen, Sting, and Sting's friend. Friend! <laughs> Hero, which is just the weird... I, I want to see... I want a, a, a video of them traveling to the arena. You know, previously, it was like Sting driving a pickup truck and Darby Allen's hanging off the back with his skateboard. 
how's Mira getting there? What's she doing? How are they hanging out? Do they go for dinner? Are they are they are they renting a, a place together before the show? I'm fascinated by this as a trio, uh, and they're taking on House of Black. Actually, I've got a question for you about a, maybe a surprise debut in this, but I'll, I'll oh. save that for a little bit later. But yeah, how do you see it playing? I out? think it's going to be absolutely awesome. I think it's going to be so over. Um, there's going to be bits where you are terrified for people's lives. There are going to be bits when you just idolize the baby faces. Um, they've done an absolutely superb job of mirroring Malachi Black and Sting to the point where Malachi almost feels like Sting's mystical equal with some great, great, great subtle um, goddamn cinematography, okay? Yeah. That's what they've been goddamn doing, and it's been great. Brody King and Darby Allen, their sequences will be great. Uh, Darby and... Buddy Matthews doing incredibly rapid physical stuff. Ditto Derby and Malachi Black. This should be fantastic. They're so good as well at doing certain things that uh, make Sting feel like he's in his prime when he obviously isn't. With just really clever spots and just clever bits of body language where they did this, they did this at Forbidden Door where they had um, Sting interact with Shingo doing the same moves that Shingo could, and for a second you think, oh, Sting's just as good as Shingo Takagi in his prime, and it's they're so good at getting Sting right. I feel like they're going to do this bit where they do a double double game over, where Sting and Miro look at each other, and Sting does game over oh. at the same time. Then they can both do stereo um, camel clutches. I expect the, the baby faces to win. But at the same time, you kind of need a heel unit to go against either of the elite or the dark order. So again, there's lots of like unpredictable outcomes on the show, mm. which I think will be obviously to its benefit. What's the girl called in the in the House of Black? Julia Hart. Julia Hart. Does Julia Hart try and get involved and CJ Perry slash Lana come in? That'd be, that'd be absolutely great. That would be fun, wouldn't it? I don't, I don't know why that just popped into my head. I agree. I think you don't form a trio of Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro to have them lose, but it'll be interesting to see how they protect the House of Black in amongst all this. Because, like you say, they're a they're a, just a, a hell of a force, and they got such a you know you got such a variety of skills there. In- Some heels need heat on this show. That's the thing. Hmm. Um, and again, with MGF coming back, they might have the ultimate heel. Oh. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be 
big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Uh, let's talk uh, TBS Championship, Jay Cargill versus Athena, which has been, you know, when, it, when Athena came in and they started teasing that, it was exciting. It's felt like a bit of an afterthought. We all sort of went, it's right, been a okay, complete afterthought. So they're going to put that on the pay-per-view and they've gone, yep, and we'll just put that on the back burner and not really give it enough time. She, As a result of that, do you believe that there's going to be a title change? Absolutely not, and it's criminal criminal the lack of effort here because the thing here right is that even if Athena ends up winning this match which is 99.9% not happening in my view there'll be no drama throughout there'll be no um, like major support to see it finally happen it will just be a shock and a whoa huh (laughs) if she actually wins because no one's going to buy it, so there'll be no drama. There's therefore no point in doing the switch. Um, they've got nothing on Dynamite to set this up. They're going to get something on Rampage, I expect. Um, but, yeah, match quality should be a little bit different because their interactions in the tag team match, which I believe is one of only two Athena televised matches since she debuted two pay-per-views ago. It's ridiculous. Tony Khan needs to calm down. Don't sign W. Morrissey. It's not so much that, right... I haven't done that much with Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara of late, and they were two people that you thought of Revolution 2020 might be headlining pay-per-views yeah. at this point. Um, it's not just that. It's like you're not even doing anything with your last batch of new signings, really. That's, to me, it's... Playing with your new toys. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Can... It's one thing to say, all right, okay, well, that's a shame this because certain players like Santana, before he got injured, he was doing nothing. And early fans of AEW were really rooting for him to be a top babyface one day. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to gloss over them for these ex-WWE guys or whatever. He's not even doing anything with his latest round of new signings. It's so undisciplined. He's always to sit down with Tony Khan. He's telling him, what is your obsession with putting ink to paper? Do you derive sexual pleasure from this? Like, <laughs> what is it? Um, is this the end of, of the baddies? I don't even... They're not even there, hardly. She sort of got rid of half of them on Rampage, I think it was. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. Maybe this is the start of J. Cargill's proper babyface turn. She wins, show of respect. Yeah. As I said, like their interactions in that tag match are really good, so I, it's a shame because this is the other match where fans aren't going to care, and it's shocking. It really is. Mm. Uh, right, it is Christian Cage not... Facing Jungle Boy, facing Jack Perry instead. This, I think it's fair to say, was one of the most anticipated matches about a month ago. It's gone slightly off the rails yeah, since peaked. then. 
Do you see Luchasaurus getting involved in this, factoring into it? I thought it was very interesting. I can't remember who I saw on Twitter pointing this out, that Luchasaurus actually hasn't physically interacted with Christian Cage. So just because he said he's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do you think that factors into it? Well, as I said, like, I can see a lot of uh, babyface wins here. So maybe this is the match that Christian Cage wins, Luchasaurus finally reveals where his loyalties lie, interferes, Cage wins... And they could do a stipped-up rematch, like a really violent match on TV is like the focal point of a dynamite. And I think that's the way to go because, look, they've invested so much time in this particular storyline. They've invested so much time in getting Jungle Boy over to this level that if this is like, I know it was one of several four-star matches and it was really good, it would almost be a shame. So I'm in favor of a heel finish. Um, Might even see uh, Jack Perry get spat on. Oh, they might even do a DQ, to be honest. Um, I'm very interested in how this goes because you'd want, given the length of um, amount of time, sorry, that's been invested to get a nice 18, 20 minutes. It's worth it. Um, but the tone is such that they can't do a collar and elbow tie up, or they shouldn't at least. No. It's Christian Cage. We know what he does. He builds matches in plain sight to the point where for the first five minutes you think, this is slow, but I'm into it. And then by the eighth minute you think, and this is one of the best things I've ever seen, he's just got this magician's trick. But then again, that doesn't really fit this program. So Christian Cage in a really white, hot, personal brawl, I've got no doubt that he can do it. I've, I've already uh, done that thing that I've talked about before where, because you've said what the result's going to be, I've booked I don't know, three bloody babies in advance. Yeah. Christian Cage wins. Yeah, I think he wins. I agree. And then because we're not getting Satnam Singh getting powerbombed by Wardlow, Luchasaurus get powerbombed by Wardlow, and Christian Cage talks himself into a TNT title match. Maybe. I like that a lot. I think probably Jack Perry should get a win back at some point. but It's just weird, this, because it has to be full of piss and vinegar, and Christian Cage's best match structure is incredibly slow burn classical stuff. So I've got no doubt that he can do it. He's done it before, but it's just... Interesting, this one. I can't really call it as this prospective classic. Mm. Tell you what I'm looking forward to for a match that they've just gone, there you go, and then just forgotten about it, really. And as I said, they sort of took away something we were anticipating from a six-man. Wardlow and FTR versus Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns. I'm so excited to see them back in a ring. This should be great just to be a grouch. The only possible way I can see this going a little bit awry is that the, the crowd psychology might be really hard because uh, the Motor City Machine Guns were fabulous dickhead heels in, yes. their, in their pomp, but they are now sort of like forever cast as baby faces because that hardcore crowd in Chicago will just revere them for all they've done for tag team wrestling. Um, sometimes in the background, but very influential. They were sort of doing it when no one cared. Yeah. And there's a deep-rooted respect for those kinds of teams. We saw it with the Briscoe at these Ring of Honor shows. Then for FTR are the baby faces. So they're going, there'll be a generous reaction, I think, in place of real earnest heat. But maybe they'll just turn it on and be such dickheads that they'll really wind up this crowd. And, you know, they probably will do it. Um, so I think that there's a little bit of apprehension on my part just because of how respected these sort of incoming heel mercenaries are. There's a bit of a, a clash there. But FTR Motor State Machine Guns should be an absolutely perfect, perfect tag team wrestling match within a scintillating trios match and Wardlow being the hot tag guy and just wrecking both Motor City Machine Guns. If they're at their smug prick best, watching one of them get powerbombed on the other... 
after all that work from Dax and Cash, like really getting the crowd to emotionally invest. Like this could be the sleeper hit. Like I don't think people realize this has got a four and three quarter star ceiling. Mm. That's how much FTR and Motor City Machine Guns could work well together. Um, easy, easy, easy baby face win. Yeah. That's the only thing that might hurt it, depending on the placement. But FTR are so over, and they're so good at convincing you that they might lose that it sh- this should be a open and shut minor classic. I agree. Um, a match that I saw and went, oh, f- and then subsequent to, oh, I don't know when they actually announced the lineup, but certainly subsequent to Dynamite, I've gone, yes, please, is this casino ladder match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because they've just gone... People aren't really that asked about the casino ladder match. It's not got the you know aura of some of the other stuff, and it had the, all money in the bank. Yeah, and it had the weird hemorrhoid cushion thing, and the winners have been a bit. Uh, and has anyone actually won? I'm not sure anyone's anyone's won it and gone on to win the world title. Hangman Page, Hangman Page, Hangman won. Page did. Yeah. yeah. Apart from that, though, it's been a bit. Uh, and then they went right. Uh, well, what if we just put in Claudio? Wheelie Utah, Penta, Phoenix, Roosh, Andrade, Elilo, and Dante Martin. Oh yeah, that, that, that'll do. That'll do it. Like uh, playing by the bloated roster, but if you've got these people to chuck in, oh my god, oh my god, and of course the next... Joker, baby. <laughs> Is this gonna be like? I've seen a lot of people asking this on on Twitter to us in the news questions about whether or not it could be a certain returning Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Makes no sense in the slot. Makes less than zero sense. MGF's whole bit is that he works smart, not hard. Everyone else is a spot monkey idiot who just chases the adulation of these stupid, fickle fans who can just be trained like dogs into giving you any kind of temporary reaction. He doesn't do that. Why would he possibly hurt himself? Even in his exit promo uh, speech markers, air quotes, whatever, he said, because I don't get dropped on my head, like he's always stayed consistent with his character. He's lived it 24-7. If you're thinking about this from the, the storyline perspective, this guy hates it so much in AEW. He feels so undervalued that he's just walked away from fame. That's the character. That's the story at this point. All right, MGF, do you want to come back? Yes, what have you got for me? Is it the world title match with no extra work? Uh, no, actually, it's a ladder match where you might get... It just doesn't make any sense from a character point of view, and I think it'll be a really terrible story if, in fact, they do it. The only way it could possibly work right, my understanding is that they haven't changed the rules in that, and I hate this, by the way, the structure of the match is that it could be won, theoretically, within minutes. And they are staggered interval oh, entrances. Yeah. The only way this works, it. and it even it would be convenient even so, is that... Seven guys kill each other for 15 minutes in this insane match, and they're all just on the floor dead. And then MGF's theme hits, and he just walks up the ladder, doesn't acknowledge the crowd, unhooks the thing from the carabiner, and then just walks back out. But that would rely on, like... MGF just knowing that they would all die by the time he makes his yes. entrance and no one would have won. I hate the fact that the Joker, you get this hot free agent signing at great expense. Oh, the match has been won before you can make your debut. Oh, sorry about that. It's just, it's stupid. There's such a massive plot hole. So that's going to diminish my enjoyment of this match as it always does. It's fundamentally unable to be perfect. It can't be five stars this match because it's got that plot hole. If you look at this field, 
it could be the most five point seven five star yeah, match yeah. ever, four point seven five star. Because if it all goes right, if everything goes perfectly in this match, and there's going to be so much ambition and so many convoluted sequences and so much risk that I just cannot foresee this match going by without a botch. I just can't see it. No. But if if it goes perfectly, the talent involved, the risks involved. The spots, this could be the most perfect plot hold ladder match <laughs> ever. I mean, just look at it. Cesaro lifting a ladder up with someone on it using his strength as they are going for it. The most stupid Canadian destroyers you've ever seen in your life. The most stupid dives. Dante Martin, one, two, three, like frog hopping on ladders to do some dive. This could be the most insane ladder match this side of PWG. Yeah, what's the what's the spot that Ray Phoenix does instead of running along the top rope? Running along the side of a ladder that's running along three upright ladders on the outside, jumping onto a rope and then doing a dive onto somebody else. Like if you think about the stupid things these men could do in this match, Andrade is an idiot. <laughs> he will kill his own ankles and shatter his own ankles to get his stuff in. Like, this could be the most insane ladder yeah. match since... The most insane ladder match I've ever seen. Of renown, there's obviously some shindy stuff that'll just be stupid for stupid's sake. It's uh, the PWG Tremendous 2012, Young Bucks, Future Shock, and Uno and Grayson. It's wild. <laughs> this could outwild that. It won't be as inventive because the Young Bucks wrote the book on it, but... My God, this could be incredible. If uh, MJF isn't that Joker, baby. Who is? Eh, I don't want anyone. I honestly don't want it's anyone. on the news this morning. Adam Cole, baby. Adam Cole, baby. I'd like to see a return from an existing roster member that I'd like to see more done with. But my, one of my favorite developments of the Papa H era, right? And Tony Khan's ruined this. <laughs> is the fact that has it been this 4D chess game all along from Tony Khan, right? This is a conspiracy theory where he's thought, right, okay. I'm not as mental or as greedy or have lost the plot anywhere near as much as anybody else. What I'm going to do is I'm going to either do a five-year deal, a five-day deal, or on a cameo basis, I'm going to sign literally Every wrestler currently <laughs> operating in North America with a name and a third or fourth page on cage match, right? Yes, to the detriment of the product short-term, medium-term. In doing so, I'm going to, uh, in realizing that, oh, it's NXT 2.0, I'm not going to build any stars on that. And if I've gobbled up literally every free agent with a name and without a problematic history... Because there's some really great wrestlers who just can't get hired because they're dicks. Mm-hmm. Won't name any names. And in doing so, I'm going to leave three or four scraps. Just three or four. And eventually, when he runs out of ideas, when he can't promote anyone from NXT 2.0, when the nostalgia acts are just too broken down, Vince McMahon is going to have to hire Top Dollar. <laughs> and it's going to be funny. Is that and it turns out Triple H did it because at the time of the plan, the 4D chess plan was formed, Vince was in charge. Yeah. But there is there something to that? Like I know it's conspiratorial where if I'd assign everyone, WWE don't get to do this thing that I've got. Mm. But in doing so, who who's left? 
Who's left? He Speedball Mike Bailey. Oh, don't don't tease me with that. He'd be great in this match. He'd be the best in he's had such a spectacular year. He'd be the best guy to um function in as one of Tony Khan's favorite devices, which is mint match, he's gonna lose, but the match will be great, and whoever beats him looks better for it. There's not a worker on alive who could fulfill that role as easily as Speedball Speedball Mike Bailey. And I don't know what he's... I know he works Impact, but I don't know if he's on a full-time deal. But they could collaborate. Yeah. I just don't need a quote-unquote star. I would much well, unless rather... It's, unless it's W. Morrissey. Unless it's part of the, the Stokely Hathaway negotiations. It's like, I'll get you in as the Joker, baby, and then you'll get the All Elite. Because they haven't done the All Elite graphics at time of recording. Yeah. But I think that would bump people out. It'd be good to watch him pick up and kill all the bodies. But who who else is there that's yeah. worth bringing in? There's people you can bring in. Absolutely. Who, who's worth it? Mike Bailey's a hell of a shout. I really like that. But yeah, maybe a returning Adam Cole was, was the one I just automatically reached for. Or Kyle O'Reilly. Who else is... He loves, he loves eating sh** ball in uh, ladder matches, so... Who else could be it? Who's on the shelf? Who could return... I don't, I don't know. They're all, they're all, they're all back. Punk, yeah. Kenny, Cole. They could open the forbidden door. Could be a new Japan guy. Oh yeah, I think he. Uh, that was it. That's it. I'm trying to remember who Andy mentioned on the news. Kota Ibushi was the mm-hmm. name he dropped, which is mind blowing, but feasible. Hey, who knows? Never say never. Um, who do you think wins? That Joker, baby. Yeah. Who look? Who would work best with? Uh, Punk from a storyline perspective. Yeah, he's already had a match with Penta. It was good, but very botched. Claudio's the ROH champion, so I don't think... It's weird that he's in this. I think yeah. they'll come very close to winning, but not... They might they can, set something up. Yeah, them, yeah, yeah, they might build a, a storyline within the match. So Process of Elimination, it's not going to be Dante Martin. It's not going to be Penta. Phoenix, but that's a Styles clash out the ass with Punk with massive botch potential, and you don't want that for your brand new champion. They won't consider that, but that's my cynical way of looking at it. Um, Andrade versus Punk. Can't see it. Roosh versus Punk. Can't see it. Uh, I think it's going to be that Joker, baby, whoever Unless it is. Yuta. Yuta to spin off from the, the mock stuff. Yeah. And you could feed into Punk, Daniel Sinner, Arthur Ashe. Bloody and Yuta up. Oh, my God. Yeah, because I, I don't think you ever... Basically, I think whoever wins this, even if it is Dejoka, baby, is losing. Is losing. So, so who gets over best in defeat right now? I'll go with either Yuta or Dejoka, baby. Um, Ricky Starks, powerhouse Hobbs. Th- this roster is too big. This roster, is t- I forgot. I keep forgetting that matches are on this show, and it's a shame because Ricky Starks has done such a phenomenal job of getting himself over. Great worker, great talker. So subtle in his character work. Uh, we talked about that interview backstage where he's looked for a nanosecond he looked a little bit off with how Hobbs is as if to say can I trust him his work's so good from literally every angle and I forget that he's on this card as we preview it because there's too many people on this goddamn roster mm. and when you think of this feud you obviously think of the factory so what's going on <laughs> um it's Starks' time yeah but it's also Hobbs' time. Yeah. So much so that I probably would have just not done this yet. And I would have booked them to be the tag champs because Swerve and Our Glory aren't really it, quite frankly. I think there'd be way more interest in uh, Babyface, Starks, and Hobbs with those titles. 
Yeah. So I don't really want to see this match. I don't really want anyone to lose it. But um, it feels like Hobbs. I, I just don't know. I don't want anyone to lose this. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a bit in my brain. That I think I, the match will be really really good. They'll obviously build it around the next stuff because they've foreshadowed that and outright told you on telly that Stark's going to sell the hell out of his neck. Maybe they could do a finish as a result of the neck, and we know how dangerous neck issues are. And I'm sorry, I completely stepped on your toes there. No, I'm no, sorry. No. Wherein the, the ref just calls it off, and Ooh. Starks can claim subsequently, I did not want that match called off. I didn't. And then people Hobbs say... Hobbs living his gimmick then, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And they can say, look, Ricky, like, it's one thing for you to say that, but we did it for your own safety. So kill the neck, and... Hobbs wins by like referee's decision. Like, has out to of get compassion. An match going forward. Yeah. So yeah, I like can, that a lot. There's a way to 50 50. There is. Yeah. And when you've got two guys I love just as much, I'll happily take 50 50 if it's something like that. Yeah, maybe this is a case of WWE brain with me because I was booking it in my head and I was like, I'm. I'm booking this, and even I don't like it. And I'm not doing the factory. Yeah. Why would I? Yeah. Well, this is what I was going to say is maybe the factory get involved to try and help Powerhouse Hobbs, but then accidentally. Ricky Starks win, which gets no one over. Yeah, yeah. It makes Powerhouse Hobbs look like a geek. Ricky Starks is effectively running up the ramp going, I stole one. Yeah. And there's still more factory in this story, which they didn't need to from the beginning. I think they should break Ricky Starks' neck. That's the better (laughs) way. That is the preferable choice, and we love Ricky Starks, That's the better way of doing it. Uh, Right, final couple of matches. Uh, The uh, inaugural uh, AEW World Trios Champions uh, we are recording this in advance of Rampage, but I'm confident to say it's going to be the Elite versus Dark yes. Order uh, on Sunday, which, I mean, if you don't like this sort of thing, it's not going to be for you. If you do, and I kind of do, the dra- the drama, the dramatics. Out the, the ass. Oh, the looks. It's gonna be lo- this is going to be a wrestling match with hardly any moves and lots of looks in it, it seems, in my head, because of Hangman Page and the Elite, of course, and and, and Kenny Omega and all the history there. Um but as well as that, I think it's going to be quite a good wrestling match. Yeah, as I think well. it's going to be absolutely incredible. It's like even more incredible than people think. Genuinely, like um, Matt Jackson and Hangman Page, I'm so fascinated. They've been the thread. They've probably feuded more intensely in the background than even Page and Omega. Yeah. Um, if you remember, how could you forget? Oh my god! Revolution 2020, that tag team oh match. My oh my god! Oh my god! Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, bump fists, right? Okay, kind of sucks, but we have to do this. It's business for professionals. Let's have a clean gentleman's contest. Is that thread that Kenny mm-hmm. Omega's always um always maintained? And they had a wrestling match, and then Paige and Matt Jackson tagged in. Like, fucking hate you. Let's have a fight. <laughs> the complexion of their relationship has changed dramatically since then. So maybe they'll be doing the apprehensive. Do I want to hurt you or not? Is there anything unresolved here? Let's just get on with it. Murray's going to hate this. I'm going to love it. There's going to be loads and loads of melodrama. And they're all very selfless workers. They know how to build the drama. John Silver's going to get so much. He's going to get shine out the ass in this match. Reynolds is going to get. Reynolds is going to get massively featured early in this match because everyone's going to think, oh, he's a good enough worker. Funny enough guy on BTE, but, you know, he's the the weak link of this match, they're going to identify that and do so much within the body of the match to get Alex Reynolds over, and it's going to be awesome. Um, kind of deserves a moment like this. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, the history. Oh, my God. That's going to be incredible as well. And how it's going to be an absolutely incredible, electrifying, story-driven match through the vehicle of incredible state-of-the-art wrestling, 
breakneck pace, all the rest of it. We know how these matches go, 20 minutes. But the main plot thread that I'm fantasy booking is that, if you notice from the quarter semi and final, right, the quarter, <laughs> Kenny Omega wore the, uh, the compression shirt. And it was like, oh, my God, he's broken. He isn't. They're just toying with my emotions. And the semi-final, doesn't matter what show it is, it's a semi-final. Dynamite Rampage, who gives a crap? It's a semi-final. The compression shirt was taken off mm-hmm. to reveal bandages. Didn't quite see it all, though, did we? Yeah, I didn't see all that. I didn't see all of it. Couldn't see all of it. Unless I want to see all of it. In this match, hopefully it doesn't come loose. It's going to get feisty between Paige and Omega. Paige is going to take that bandage off. And it's a bit hokey how, like, oh, he's almost broken. Three weeks later, he's absolutely fine again. So there's a bit of, you know, hokey, but he's going to take off that bandage, the tape, and you're going to see the six-pack. Oh, my God. And Paige is going to look at it as if to say, Christ, I've got this Kenny Omega to contend with. The elite are going to win, and the implication is going to be because they're always thinking in years, you insects. That look at the body on Omega. Look how he's hid this body. Look how this body's being revealed. And if he wins that body against Hangman Page, Hangman Page, in hindsight, is going to think, "Well, what did it really mean winning at Full Gear 2021? I beat ultimately the worst version of this man, who has now rebuilt himself into close to the best." and he's beaten me, and then that can be a storyline thread for the next Page to make a singles match, and when they reform as a tag team, because that was so goddamn wonderful and life-affirming. Oh, my God. Basically, the next two years of your life are sawn up <laughs> if, if you're a fan of the Elite. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that's what's going to happen. The alternative, I've got three questions for you, one of which you've already answered. I think I agree. Uh, the Elite win, obviously, the Elite. The elite. They're going to be the first ever Trios champions in AEW, of course. So that's that's one thing. Number two, Terminator Dive. Yes, they will um, tease that Kenny Omega can't hit it, and then he kind of has to hit it very well at this point. I always remember the Moose one. I'm sorry I talked about all this time. The Moose won at Daly's Place on the Impact (laughs) pay-per-view. Holy, he almost took a header. Like, oh my, he just centimeters clear in that rope. It looked leak. I was so gutted as a massive fan of Kenny Omega's. He hits it, and he looked so sharp. Yeah, imagine the dynamite. He's obviously going to. Imagine the peb. Like, I love I love peps and type of peps. And, and Young Bucks. Yeah. Uh, so imagine the peb after Silver goes, he does his run wild spot, and then it's immediately followed by a Terminator. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the final question, which completely undercuts everything you've just said, which I completely agree with, is what if they don't go with uh, Kenny Maker's fine, actually, and they go, he's still recovering. He's still not 100%. He's still... I'm not suggesting this means that they don't win the trios championships at the end, but he's struggling. He's not 100%. We've seen him get through matches and do all this stuff, just not quite the way we remember Kenny Omega doing it. Therefore, is this the spot that Hangman Page kicks out of the one-winged angel? No. Because he's not got the force or the torque or the technique still. I know he's hit it in the quarters and the semis. Just a thought. I, I th- agree. I don't think he uh, will. It's, it's I not think it's, you, don't, you save that for another thing. Yeah, you save that for the end of Kenny Omega's career. That's what I'm thinking at this point. The very end of Kenny Omega's career. All the while, you 
just deepening the legend and the mythology of the move as it sort of comes to an end should be his retirement match. Mm. The only reason I say this is because of what's happened in the previous Dynamite, i.e. Oh, bloody hell, game up to, for the first one. And the second one, Don Callis made a real point on commentary of going, no one kicks out of that. Yeah. The thing is, I would. there's two ways he can do it, in my opinion, at this point. Paige no longer needs it. No. Is the last guy Kenny Omega ever puts over, he gifts it to him, right? Or Kenny Omega's failure to do it is what convinces Callis to turn on him. Because that's the symbolic end of Kenny Omega in his mind. And that's when the Osprey Alliance happens. Yeah. I've missed so much talking about Kenny Omega and just dreaming up all these possibilities because he is a dream weaver. Mm. Especially because from even when he was recovering, we were like, yeah, but is he? Because he, he keeps going on like these, I don't know, computer game streams and going, uh, it's really worse than people yeah. think, guys. And you're like, okay, he's a worker. But I also don't want to doubt someone when they say, uh, if this happens again, I'm done. Yeah. And I saw what people were drilling into his neck with that thing. And I was like, that looks like it sucks. Yes. And he has to do that every day for about 200 odd days. But yes, I agree. I think the elite win. Um, but main event time. Uh, we assume this is the main event. Well, you better be. Better Chicago. Be. Uh, John Marks, the CM Punk AW World Championship. Uh, hopefully this one goes a little bit longer than the uh, previous match between these two gentlemen. Not by too much, though. No. Um, and who leaves as the AEW World Champion, Michael Sidgwick? CM Punk. It comes to something, right, when... I've loved this story, but I do think it's flawed. Like, I love it as a flawed thing. A really thoughtful, detailed, bold thing, but very much flawed. Like, CM Punk was getting jeered a little bit in Chicago. Like, one year. In Chicago, one year after debuting in AEW. What I thought was originally phenomenal about the story maybe was a risk too far. What I I mean by that is, I thought you were going to get both sides of CM Punk... Heel dickhead is awesome. Detestable heel dickhead. Gets humbled. It's cathartic as all hell. And then with a foot injury, he enters the next best babyface performance of his life. And you just get this complete picture of CM Punk, and it's great. The problem I'm discovering after last night's Dynamite in Chicago, no less, is that CM Punk, when he's a heel, is such a dickhead. (laughs) Such an arsehole. That you can't then... I knew you were a dickhead, but this is ridiculous. Yeah, I know. You can't then flip that switch and go, oh, you're a dickhead, but you're my dickhead, and I love you for being a dickhead. And you can maybe be a little bit of a dickhead and cheat you in this match with Moxley, and oh, we'll love you, punk. You're still a bit of a dickhead. Maybe they thought they could flirt with this direction because at full gear 2021, people were booing punk. Literally immediately afterwards, it's like, oh, we still love you, punk. It's just fun to boo you now and then because you're so good at it. I think now the novelty of the honeymoon has worn off. He feels established in this company. There's been Ferrari surrounding his um, status in this company. That I think that it's going to be hard to stem this tide now. And uh, yeah, I just think people are desperate to boom. It's going to be different, Chicago. But um, yeah, I think CM Punk's going to win. I think it'll get a great response in the building. But after that, they should really... I said this on the Dynamite Review, but they should really think about keeping the, the, the booking picture fluid in the extreme, subsequent to All Out. The match quality is going to be phenomenal. CM Punk's a great bleeder. John Mox is going to make him bleed. They've, across the match in Mox's promo, made you believe it could end in three minutes of 60. Every second will be drenched, pregnant with drama. I think it'll go about 18 minutes because John Moxley does anti-epic storytelling. 
Um, the foot is going to get sold the hell out of. The more you really, really sell one injury, the more it can kind of be a bit hokey. And John Ro- John Moxley does not do hokey wrestling. I just can't see it going 30, but I think John Moxley is such a genius that he hinted that it could go 60 just to ensure that everything gets a reaction. Yeah. 18 minutes, no massive near falls down the stretch. But then again, there might be, because the genius of John Moxley, who I rate as the most intelligent man in wrestling, not named Kenny Omega, right, is that... He's crafted this style where it's like he could kill somebody at any time. These hammer and anvil elbows, with these great grappling techniques, the submissions, the violence, the strikes, the neck first Germans, the King Kong lariats. He just doesn't do shock face, near fall kickouts, and these really long New Japan style finishing stretches. If he finally does it tonight after in subverting his work and his body of work throughout 2022, he'll have earned that which he sought to destroy, if that makes yes. sense, this epic stretch of near fall kickouts, because Moxie doesn't do that. He's such an efficient, multifaceted killer that when he actually does this, on the night on which it'll be totally earned, he will elevate something that had reached parody into art once again. I almost think that's how they're going to do it. Um, but that's the thing. They can take it in any direction. So unpredictable. Um, how do you beat John Moxley on one leg when you can't beat him with five at the minute? Because <laughs> like that's, I just think it's, this is going to be incredible. Absolutely incredible. They'll get the tone right. The work will be great. I think John Moxley's work and style as well will allow or like kind of demand that punk reign in some of his over-ambitious tendencies where he tries to do the buckshot. He tries to do the springboards. It comes off half the time. I just think with Punk, with Mox, it just won't be that kind of match, thank God. Yeah. Be closer to the Eddie one. Uh, yeah, I agree. I can see him trapping Punk's foot between the post and the ring steps and just stamping yeah, on Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, few, few questions I've got for you, because I'm not sure about the finish either. Like he doesn't, again, WWE brain tells me, he goes, oh, my bloody foot. And the referee goes, I'll just go and get the physio. And he just kicks Moxley in the bollocks. But it's a bit, it needs more than that for me. Anaconda Vice pass out is the best I can come up with. Yeah, because you were going to have the, we talked already on previous podcasts about the whole form with the cord around my neck. Uh, Bulldog choke, yeah. So that'll be a great spot in it. Maybe he could really cinch it in just for storytelling and make him turn blue. (laughs) I'm going to need you to turn blue. Yeah, yeah, can you turn blue? I mean, I'm doing physically impossible spots. Yes, welcome to the welcome to the party, pal. Um, a few other questions. Uh, it feels weird to be talking about this when we're talking about the main event with the world title with CM Punk in Chicago turning heel. And I'm not sure what that definitive moment is, or what, like you say, whether it'd even be received by Chicago. They're just like, ah, oh, he's our boy. He's doing what he needs to do. What gear is CM Punk gonna wear? Oh. Oh, Chicago colors. Yeah. I think if you had a different... Not long boys. Not the long boys, no. uh, Just the Chicago flag trunks. I think if he had any flirtations to do anything else, he will probably think to himself, because he's smart, like I had to cut an incredible promo to get that crowd unified behind me. I might need to play it safe as houses and just do like everything to beg for that support and... The Chicago trunks. I might just have to go to the safest way to get the reaction. In Chicago, he's too much of a dick. That's his problem. And yeah, and maybe as part of this, as you're, you're a real arsehole, you are. 
steal Mox's entrance, walk through the crowd. Because it's Chicago, oh, baby. I'm going to be good if he doesn't do that now. That's such a good idea. And finally, uh, the elephant in the room I ask on every bloody podcast, it seems. MJF, appearance, interference. Uh, what What do you think? Um, just, just a closing shot of CM Punk and let's see how this gets followed up on Wednesday sort of thing. So I've said, right, that they need to keep their main event plans fluid post all out because they'd be now worse than CM Punk coming out and going, I love you fans, and half of them are saying, you know, you're a dickhead. <laughs> But at the same time, if you look at how much he's moved the needle, that rampage rating, those increased pay-per-views, um, the quarter hours, it would be pretty stupid from a business perspective to just think, all right, two reactions in two towns, let's turn them heel. They could easily do a six-month, CM Punk's a babyface reign, and CM Punk could maybe realize, hang on, I need to stop being as much of a dickhead in these promos because I'm kind of losing the people. I think from a business perspective, it makes sense for them to at least try to do the big babyface title reign, babyface, lengthy one. That's what the first dance has been building to. Mm. Why scrap it for two cities reacting? Hmm. So that especially where we're heading, I assume you and I are on the same page here. With just basically, they're babe, they're mostly babyfaces. They arguably tweeners with some of the stuff that they do inside one of them and outside the ring. The other one, yeah. Brian Danielson, Punk Danielson's the way you go next. Yeah, absolutely, and. Because MGF did say, I'm going to give CM Punk the most humiliating loss of his career, and they never forget stuff like that, and they always do stuff like that for a reason. It makes no sense to just have MGF beat up CM Punk. One, because CM Punk might be, fans might be prepared to turn him heel, and again, they, they need this reign, I think, to give it a go. They've been building it since August 2021, so to have MGF immediately put an end to that is a bit too... Bully Ray heat for me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts ahead of a, a very exciting looking all out pay per view uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at um, Sidgwick. Read his book, Becoming All Elite The Rise of AEW. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon right now. Perfect little read before this pay per view. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Don't forget to join Andy Murray and Michael Hamlet on Sunday night for their live stream reactions. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Um, we will get around to reviewing this. Com uh, scheduling conflicts. It may not be as soon as you were hoping for, but don't worry. I will get Michael Sidgwick and hopefully Michael Hamplet as well into the same studio in the days following All Out to get their thoughts on this pay-per-view because it's a bit of an epic. Uh, maybe, it will, I'll tell you what, it probably won't be like a play-by-play. -play. Here's what happened, but I'll certainly run through the card with the boys and get their thoughts on everything and all the fallout from it. And obviously we'll be discussing it more on the Dynamite preview next week as well. But for now, this has been the All Out preview. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining Joining us, and we will see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.